welcome to This Week in Video Games, episode 93. My name's Tom Kershaw and this is a podcast all about the world of video games. Well, this week I've been playing Final Fantasy XIV, having finally taken the jump into the huge MMO over the holiday season. And I've also been catching up on my backlog of games with The Forgotten City. And today I'm also going to be looking ahead to 2022, looking at my most anticipated games of the year, plus some predictions for the year ahead. So as always, it is a busy show, so let's get to it. Welcome to the show, everyone. I hope you're well and you're having a good week. Well, it is the new year, so I hope you've had a good start to 2022. And we've got a hugely exciting year ahead of us with new console releases with the Steam Deck and the Playdate, maybe even a Switch Pro, also the PSVR 2. More on that a little bit later on. Plus, we've got some massive games coming this year like Horizon Forbidden West, Elden Ring, maybe Breath of the Wild 2 and also God of War Ragnarok. You know, it could be one of the biggest years in gaming ever. And that's only the titles that we know about. You know, I'm sure there's plenty of surprises in 2022. So I'm really, really excited about the year ahead. Well, today I'm going to be looking into my most anticipated games of the year, plus check out some 2022 predictions and also look back on 2021 and see how I did. But something else has caught my eye when looking at what's coming out in 2022, and that was Crossfire X. The Crossfire is a hugely popular game in the East, with millions of players for this PC-based first-person shooter. However, it's coming to North America and Europe in February, so I thought I'd look into that a little bit more and explain why it's one to watch for 2022. Well, this week also we've had a big drop on Xbox Game Pass, one of the best ever. Plus, as I mentioned before, we got news of PSVR 2 from Sony, so we've got loads of things to unpack today. Well, if you enjoy the show, it'd be great if you could leave a review over on Apple Podcast. It really helps the discoverability of This Week in Video Games, and any feedback is very welcome. So check out the link in the description on Podcast Apps for an easy way to review. But before we get into that, let's get into what I've been playing this week. Well, this week I've been playing Final Fantasy XIV and getting into that in a big way. So this is arguably the most popular MMO in the world right now, and I took time over the holidays to get into the game. So it isn't the best time to start Final Fantasy XIV because of Endwalker, the latest expansion. Yeah, it's really, really popular. just came out. And also, so it's so popular, they've had to stop selling it, and new players can't register at the moment. So I'm working through the free trial, and that is about 50-plus hours, so I've got plenty to get through yet. And I'm going to bring you my first impressions as a new player for Final Fantasy XIV in 2022, and that is coming up early on in the show. Well, I've also been playing The Forgotten City, a former Skyrim mod-turned-adventure narrative game, and that was one of the games of the year in 2021. Now, I missed out on it first time round when it came out in July. However, I wanted to catch up on a few backlog games over the holiday, and this was one of them. So I'll bring you my review later on in the show. Well, that is it for what I've been playing. But first up in the show today, let's take a look at my most anticipated games of 2022. Well, 2022 is upon us and 2021 is long gone into our distant memories, and it's January, and that means looking ahead to some of the most anticipated games of 2022. So there's plenty to be excited about this year. We've got loads of big hitters to look out for, plus loads of unannounced surprises as well. Without further delay, let's jump into the list. Well, first of all, we've got Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Shredder's Revenge. So this one is another game from Dotemo, and it's scheduled for release this year, and it's one I've been really looking forward to since the announcement. 
So following on from the successful release of Streets of Rage 4 back in 2020, it's time to revive the Turtles Arcade scrolling beat-em-up classic. I don't think this one is going to be full of too many surprises. Now, if you play scrolling beat-em-ups, you pretty much know what this is going to be. This has got gorgeous pixel art graphics. All the Turtles are here. Plus, we should have April O'Neil and Splinter as playable characters. Well, and hopefully, we have Casey Jones in there too. But we don't know exactly when this is going to be released. But hopefully, we'll have some news soon. Well, next up, we've got Sea of Stars. So this one, it was announced fairly late in 2021. And it's from the same team who made The Messenger. And that gets me really, really excited about the game. This is very much in the mould of the old-school turn-based RPG. You know, I'm thinking about Final Fantasy VI and Chrono Trigger. And the combat system looks really interesting. And it's going to be brought up to date with Sabotage Studio saying this. So pressing the action button in sync with the animations increases the damage output, whilst reducing incoming damage. And along with time hits, combat features multi-character combo attacks, boosting, and strategic lock systems offering options to play with different damage types in order to hinder enemies while they are channeling powerful attacks or spells, all in an immersive take on the genre, no random encounters, no transitions to separate battlefields, and no grinding. So all of that sounds really, really appealing, and that one is due on Nintendo Switch in winter 2022. Well, next up, we've got Stranger of Paradise Final Fantasy Origin. So this one is set in a dark fantasy interpretation of the setting for the original Final Fantasy game, with a group of people drawn into it from another world. So the main character is Jack Garland, a man consumed by a need to destroy chaos, and he's accompanied by other companions, including similar newcomers Ash and Jed. And during the journey, he faces a knight who's been taken on the role of chaos, while seemingly the foretold warriors of light each has doubts as to whether it's their role or not. So Stranger of Paradise is an action role-playing game in which players explore environments and fight monsters of the Final Fantasy series. So combat takes place in real time, with Jack being able to switch between two assigned jobs and use physical and magical attacks. So once an enemy's break gauge is depleted, Jack can perform a finishing blow that crystallizes the enemy, allowing Jack to harvest them and restore a portion of his magic meter. Well, this one has got big Dark Souls or Neo vibes. The action combat looks really, really tough. And I really think it could be a massive deal this year. Well, next up, we've got Forspoken. So Forspoken you know, had much of the spotlight from Square Enix in the past few months, featured on Sony's State of Play, and then Square Enix gave influence and media outlets hands-on time with it quite recently. So looking at the fluid movement plus the action, it's one of my most anticipated for 2022. So the gameplay in Forspoken appears to be action, adventure, and RPG. So the main character, Frey, moves incredibly fast across the environments among the high-fidelity backgrounds, as well as the traversal across the environments. Frey can climb and run up cliff surfaces and jump too, in similar gameplay to that of 2018's Marvel Spider-Man. So enemies look tough and imposing, which include a massive golem, a zombie bear, plus you've got some terrifying saber-toothed cats. And Frey has got magical abilities which include forming a shield of light and making vines explode out of the ground at a moment's notice, and Frey can also fire high-speed projectiles at enemies, so it seems like Frey has a decent arsenal at her disposal. Looks really, really good for Spoken, and that one's coming out in May 2022. Well, next up, we got Somerville, so we don't have too much to go on what Somerville is at the moment, but we had the trailer at E3, and the credentials of the developers you know, really make me set up and pay attention to this one. So Somerville is an upcoming game and a debut title by the independent studio Jumpship, but crucially, the studio's co-founder, Dino Patti, previously co-founded Playdead and worked on Limbo and Inside as an executive producer 
on both games. So similar to Limbo and Inside, Somerville is an adventure game played from a third-person perspective, and most often at times like a platform game. And the player controls a family of three. You've got a father, a mother, and their young son, as well as the pet dog in the wake of a post-apocalyptic event on Earth. And the player must guide one of the characters through the ruins of civilization, avoiding strange alien artifacts that try to kill humans, and working with human survivors to try and find safety for the family. So like Limbo and his side, the game is presented without dialogue, instead using the setting, the environments, and the animations to tell the story. Well, next up, we got a big one. It's Horizon Forbidden West, and this one is only around the corner, coming in early February 2022. So in Horizon Forbidden West, the story of Aloy continues. So she is a young hunter from the Nora tribe, sent on a quest to the Forbidden West to find the source of a mysterious plague that's killing all it touches. So as Aloy makes her way across the land, she encounters these large, massive robo-dinosaurs. You know, hostile enemies can now control the machines that they ride, and also deadly traps. So the environments in Forbidden West have been expanded too, to include deserts, mountains, valleys, tropical beaches, and also ruined cities. So Aloy's got some new tools to play with in this new adventure, and they're going to help her cross the land and fight the machines. So the focus scanner helps highlight climbing areas, which are otherwise hidden. So you've got the pull caster, aka the grappling hook, that helps Aloy traverse the environment. You've also got the shield wing, so looks and operates in a similar way to Link's glider in Breath of the Wild. And the diving mask allows Aloy to swim underwater for long periods of time. So as well as the new items to help Aloy navigate the environment, there's also new weapons too. So Guerrilla Games showed off an impressive battle sequence during the state of play. So Aloy battling a big elephant-like thing. So Aloy's got a new spear, which when used at close range can be used to chain multiple combos. You can also apply buffs, which you know as surges, to help take down powerful enemies. And Aloy has a number of special arrows now it can strip back armor and help expose weak spots. And Aloy can also pick up weapons that enemies drop, and that was shown off in an impressive sequence against the Tusk. So combat in Horizon has always been precise and thrilling, and looks like it's going to be taken to the next level in Horizon Forbidden West. Well, next up we've got another PlayStation exclusive, and this one is God of War Ragnarok. So this one is an upcoming adventure action game developed by Santa Monica Studio, and it's going to be published by Sony Interactive. So it's scheduled to be released in 2022 for the PS4 and the PS5, and it's going to be the ninth installment in the God of War series. So this one's going to be the direct sequel to 2018's Game of the Year, God of War, and loosely based on North mythology, the game is going to be set in ancient Scandinavia, so featuring Kratos and his son Atreus. So serving as the finale to the Norse era of the series, the game's going to cover Ragnarok, a series of events that bring about the end of days and depicts the death of the Norse gods, which was foretold to happen in the previous game after Kratos killed Baldur. It takes place three years after the events of the previous game, Fimble Winter is drawing to a close, and it's prophesied that Ragnarok will begin once it comes to an end. So an now teenage Atreus, still reeling from the revelations from the previous game, seeks answers about his identity as Loki, as well as the way to prevent Ragnarok from happening. But to uncover the truth, Kratos and Atreus set out to find answers, searching for the giant Norse god Tyr, who was previously believed to be dead. And while traversing the Nine Realms, the duo must face new threats, including Thor, the enraged god of thunder, and also Freya, their former friend and ally, both seeking vengeance following the deaths of their respective sons at Kratos' hands. So the story is set up to be really, really exciting for God of War Ragnarok, and we haven't got a confirmed release date in 2022 yet, so it is yet to be seen whether this one will release or not, 
I'm predicting at the moment this one's probably going to be coming in November 2022, but we're just going to have to wait and see. Well, next up, we got another big one, and it's Lost Ark, and I think this one could be the game, other than Destiny 2, that I sink the most hours in, in 2022. You know, having played the closed beta in 2021, Lost Ark convinced me it's something of a special game. So Lost Ark is a free-to-play MMO ARPG, and the gameplay is from a perspective similar to Diablo, so you've got classes, loot, exploration, and combat. You can customise your skills, your weapons and gear, and spec into different playstyles. So the combat is definitely an ARPG style. You'll be able to level up your weapons and armour through quests and raids, battling world bosses and also PvP opponents too. So Lost Ark promises easy-to-learn combat features that lean into their tripod system, where you can unlock three tiers of customization for your abilities, letting you control how you want to fight. So it's definitely easy to control, and there's potential for massive battles, and this one is going to be an awesome game to jump into with friends. And given it's free to play, hopefully getting some friends together shouldn't be a major issue, and hopefully there's going to be good matchmaking available. So one of the promising facts about Lost Ark is it won six awards at the Korean version of the gaming Oscars in 2019. So this means the game is out there, people are playing and loving it. So from the visuals alone, you can see this one has the potential, but it won everything from character creation, sound, technical achievement, and also the People's Choice Award, and it's also been out since 2018, meaning the developers have had time to hone the game based on player feedback. So I'm really, really excited for Lost Ark, and I can't wait to cover it on the channel. Well, next up, we've got another big one. It could be one of the biggest games ever from From Software, and this one is Elden Ring. So Elden Ring is perhaps the most anticipated game of the year, and it is pretty high up there for me. So since the reveal in 2021, we've also had the closed network test, where fans could get their hands on the game, and the hype levels have just increased massively. So some are touting this could be the best game from From Software, that they've ever made. So this is apparently From Software's biggest game to date, perhaps highlighted with the horse, which is something new to a From Software game. You know, other games have always walked around on foot. However, this time, we've got a horse, and it looks like we can fight on horseback, as well as jump super far. This was one of the most memorable moments for me in the trailer, seeing that horse leap vertically at the speed of a jumping pad. So given we've got horses, it feels like the land we traverse could be massive, and something on the scale of The Witcher 3 or Ghost of Tsushima. You know, we're going to be able to explore and fight during the day and the night, plus there's a dynamic weather cycle too, making for a very realistic environment to explore. So day and night cycles have appeared in From Software games, however, they've been linked to more specific encounters. You know, all of the NPCs of the game have deep lore, and this time we have the benefit of the collaboration between Miyazaki and also George R.R. R. Martin. So George R.R. R. Martin only really did the world building in the background, but it is likely to attract a new audience. So according to a press release, the characters will have unique motivations for helping or hindering your progress, and they all have profound backgrounds. So really, really excited for Elden Ring, and that one comes out on the 25th of February, 2022. Well, next up, we got the big one for me. It's Destiny 2 The Witch Queen, and Destiny 2 The Witch Queen expansion comes out in February. You know, it's at the business end of a jam-packed month. So in that month, we've got Sifu, we've got Dying Light 2, We've got Destiny 2, we've got Elden Ring, and we've got Horizon Forbidden West. So we've probably got three good contenders for Game of the Year there, all coming out in February, so it's going to be absolutely jam-packed. So we've had a massive build-up to this since Beyond Light was released, and also with Savathun really since 2015. So the Witch Queen has been a long time in the making. So with the Witch Queen expansion, we're getting a new weapon type with the Glaive, we're getting weapon crafting, a new six-person activity, a new raid, 
new exotics and all that Destiny 2 goodness we've come to expect. We're also getting a complete rework of the Void subclass to bring it in line with the newer subclass 3.0 system like we have with Stasis right now. So in terms of the story, Savathun has somehow managed to get hold of the light and bestowed this on a hive brood, so we're going to be fighting hive guardians for the first time in Destiny history. So Destiny 2 had a great year in 2021 when it comes to the narrative and also the seasonal progression, storytelling and the wider sandbox balancing. You know, more work definitely needs to be done in PvP and also reworking the light subclass into the newer system, but I do think it's going in the right direction. I'm really looking forward to what Bungie has in store for us all. Well, finally, today is my most anticipated game of the year in 2022, and that is Breath of the Wild 2. So I was hoping this one would be released in 2021. However, Nintendo has been hit pretty hard with COVID restrictions. So hopefully this one is going to happen in 2022. Nintendo showed off their latest glimpse of Breath of the Wild to E3 2021, having introduced the game at E3 2019. And one of the first things we notice here that Link is falling from the sky, and he appears to have a corrupted right arm, whereas the Link with the glider appears to be the original from Breath of the Wild. So it looks like there could be two Links in the game, perhaps similar to Ocarina of Time, where we play as young Link or regular Link. We also see Link running through Hyrule, he's got his long hair flowing, again he's got that corrupted arm. In the distance we can see a floating island in the sky, and this appears to be the theme for Breath of the Wild 2, with Hyrule dramatically changed from the first game, and parts of Hyrule have floated up into the air. I don't know about you, but to me this indicates there's going to be loads of verticality in Breath of the Wild 2, and I think Nintendo have patented a few unique game mechanics here, and we did see a little bit of that with Link emerging through the floor. So I do think it's going to be really, really interesting. Well, Link clearly has some new powers, so a spiky ball is falling down towards a hill, and it looks like Link can either turn back time or use some kind of new kinetic power to push the spiky ball back up the hill. You know, a rewind time mechanic would be really cool. That opens up loads of possibilities for puzzles in the game. We also see Link wielding what looks to be a flamethrower, but this is on his other arm when comparing it to the corrupted arm. Also in the final scene of the latest trailer, we can see Hyrule Castle. It's shaking, it's rumbling against the backdrop of dramatic music, and it raises itself into the sky. You know, there's clearly an event that leads to this, you know, whether it's the discovery of the Ganondorf-like corpse underground, or the corruption escaping and affecting Hyrule in some way. And then the latest trailer closes with the castle in the sky, Zelda's lullaby playing in the background against a beautiful sunset over Hyrule. It all fades to black with the number 2022 left on the screen. So there's still plenty of questions surrounding Breath of the Wild 2, but Nintendo, they're keeping their cards very, very close to their chest. But hopefully, we're going to hear about it very soon. And again, I think this one is going to come out in November 2022. Well, that is it for my most anticipated games of 2022. I'd love to hear what you think. Send in your list via Patreon at patreon.com forward slash thisweekinvideogames, and I'll read them out on the next episode of the podcast. Well, that is it for my most anticipated games of 2022. But next up, Sony came out this week and they started talking about the PSVR 2 and also their new Sense controller. So it's really, really exciting stuff. So what I'm going to do is go over to the PlayStation blog and let's have a look at that announcement from Sony. So Sony say, Happy New Year, everyone. It's my great pleasure to start off 2022 with news on a next-generation virtual reality system for the PS5 console starting with the official name, the PlayStation VR 2, and our new VR controller, the PlayStation VR 2 Sense Controller. 
So the PSVR 2 takes VR gaming to a whole new level, enabling a greater sense of presence and allowing players to escape into the gaming world like never before. So with the headset on and controllers in hand, players will feel a heightened range of sensation unlike any other. And thanks to the creativity of the game worlds being built by our world-class developers and the latest technology incorporated into the hardware. So building upon our innovations from PS5, PlayStation VR 2 adds true next-generation experience with high-fidelity visuals, new sensory features and enhanced tracking, along with a simplified single-cord setup. So let's go through the features. So first of all, we've got visual fidelity. So for a high-fidelity visual experience, PSVR 2 offers 4K, HDR, 110-degree field of view and foveated rendering. So with an OLED display, players can expect resolution of 2000 by 2040 per eye and smooth frame rates at 90 and 120 hertz. Then we've got headset-based controller tracking. So with inside-out tracking, PSVR tracks you and your controller through integrated cameras embedded in the VR headset. So your movements and the direction that you look are reflected in the game without the need for an external camera. So the PSVR 2 Sense technology combines eye tracking, headset feedback, 3D audio and the innovative PSVR 2 Sense controller to create an incredibly deep feeling of immersion. So headset feedback is a new sensory feature that amplifies the sensations of in-game actions from the player and it's created by a single built-in motor with vibrations that add an intelligent tactile element, bringing players closer to the gameplay experience. For example, gamers can feel a character's elevated pulse during tense moments and also the rush of objects passing close to the character's head, or the thrust of a vehicle as the character speeds forward. Additionally, the PS5 Tempest 3D audio tech makes sounds in the player's surrounding come alive, adding to this new level of immersion. Well, finally, we've got the eye tracking. So with the eye tracking, PSVR 2 detects the motion of your eyes, so a simple look to a specific direction could create an additional input for the game character. This allows players to interact more intuitively in new and lifelike ways, allowing for a more heightened emotional response and enhanced expression that provide a new level of realism in gaming. So all of these achievements in the PlayStation VR 2, combined with the haptic feedback and the adaptive triggers from the PSVR 2 Sense controllers, enable players to feel and interact with the games in a much more visceral way. So PSVR 2 will also have a simple setup process with a single cable connected directly to the PS5, so you can immediately jump into the VR experience. Well, today we're also pleased to reveal that one of the biggest exclusive franchises on PlayStation will be coming to PSVR 2, Horizon Call of the Mountain from Gorilla and Firespite. So this original game is being built specifically for the PSVR 2 and will open the doors for players to go deeper into the world of Horizon. So I hope you've enjoyed today's exciting updates and just remember, this is only a taste of things to come and I can't wait to share more details with you about PSVR 2. So really, really exciting stuff there from Sony. Really can't wait to jump into the PSVR 2. I missed out on the original PSVR. I do have an old school Oculus and I really, really enjoyed my time in VR. Can't wait to jump into the PSVR 2. Well, I'll keep you posted on this week in video games for more information about PSVR. But next up, over the holidays, I jumped into Final Fantasy 14. And these are my first impressions as a new player in 2022. I've been thinking about getting into Final Fantasy XIV for a while now. You know, I signed up for a free account and downloaded the PC client with it sitting on my desktop these past few months. You know, I heard the hype for Endwalker. I've seen thousands of players migrating to it from WoW in 2021. You know, I'm a huge Destiny fan, which labels itself as an action MMO, 
However, I know deep down it's really a shooter with MMO-like features. Yeah, it's time for me to jump into the real deal, and it's time for me to jump in to Final Fantasy XIV. Only, I couldn't have picked a worse time to start. You know, Endwalker has just come out, and Final Fantasy XIV's latest expansion is so popular that Square Enix has had to stop selling the base game, and they've stopped these sign-ups for new accounts, and currently, we don't know when it's going to be back on sale. But no matter, for the time being, I've got plenty of catching up to do. Yeah, given this is an MMO, that means there's a monthly subscription involved if you want to play quote-unquote full-time. So the monthly subscription is about £10 per month, but the cost does go down slightly if you commit to more time. Then there's the base game for a cost of £10 for the starter pack, so you get a Realm Reborn and Heavensward, or you get the complete editions for £50. You know, I'm not really a stranger for paying this kind of fee for a game. However, I wanted to be sure that I'd like it before I commit. And this is where the free trial comes in. So my early impressions of the free trial so far are pretty fantastic. You get a large chunk of the game included, like A Realm Reborn and the first expansion Heavensward, plus loads of other content, dungeons, raids and quests. And so far I must have sunk about 10 to 15 hours into the trial so far. I'm looking at the Square website most days, wondering when it's going to go back on sale so I can pick up the complete edition. You know, one thing I've heard about the game is the quality of the story, so I really want to play through all the expansions in chronological order to help me get up to speed. So Final Fantasy XIV has a really interesting story. Originally launched in 2010, the game was received really poorly by fans, and in November 2012 the game was shut down. There's a huge amount of disappointment from fans given the game had been in development since 2005, and complaints range from the user interface, the performance, and also the gameplay. Well, the lead producer and the director of the game were removed, and the planned PS3 version of the game was suspended indefinitely. And then Final Fantasy XIV was re-released in 2013, after Naoki Yoshida took over, and since then the game has been on the upward trend, to the point now where it's regarded by many as the best MMO currently on the market, with the much-publicised migration of the players from WoW to Final Fantasy XIV in 2020, and also 2021. You know, I've been on the fence for a while about getting into an MMO, I never played WoW, you know, it wasn't really my thing back in the day. I was a console gamer back then and focused on Nintendo releases like The Legend of Zelda, plus many hours playing Halo multiplayer with friends in couch co-op. Yeah, it's been an interesting journey though, as the original creators of Halo went on to make Destiny, which is probably my most played game over the last seven years, and that one has always dabbled in MMO-like concepts. So Destiny has me hook, line and sinker, and now it's time to branch out into something else, in a fully featured MMO with all the bells and whistles. So back to Final Fantasy XIV, you know, I've got a lot of catching up to do, as I mentioned before, but the game that I've experienced so far has me itching to play more. And as far as I know, the sequence is a Realm Reborn, Heaven's Ward, Stormblood, Shadowbringers, and then we've got the most recent expansion, and the end of the 10-year first saga that is Final Fantasy XIV, and this one is called Endwalker. So let's have a look at what it's all about. So when you first start, you create a character and you can customise your name and race, and then you're dropped into the world of Eorzea. So there's three main places you can start, and depending on your choices when you create a character, you'll be placed in one of the three starting areas. So you've got a forest city called Gridania, you've got the desert dwelling called Uldar, or you've got Limsa Laminsa, the coastal port city full of pirates. So each city is full of characters to get to know, quest givers to do little jobs for, and then you've got the main story campaign that's going to keep you engaged. And I've heard the early game in Final Fantasy XIV isn't the best. However, I'm having a really fun time at the moment levelling up and learning the ropes. 
Well, Final Fantasy XIV uses the trinity of classes, so you've got tanks, DPS, and healers. So given I'm new to that whole thing, I didn't really know where to start, so I just picked up an axe, and that led me to a tank roll. So I picked the Marauder. So that means I've got a huge axe, plus I've got some pretty good damage mitigation and self-healing actions, and I can dish out some pretty good damage myself. You know, one of the big features of Final Fantasy XIV is I can change class at any time just by switching weapons. So I picked the Marauder and the axe to start with, as I just like the look of it, and I've been learning how to be a tank through light party dungeon runs in the early game. So as well as the classes, you've got jobs, so they're basically evolutions of your classes as you level up. For example, at level 30, my Marauder becomes a warrior. So you've got 10 base classes to choose from, including gladiator, lancer, rogue, archer, arcanist, and also loads more too. And it all felt a little bit overwhelming to me when I first started out. I was wondering which one was going to be the best. You know, was I going to box myself into something I didn't want to do later on in the game? You know, I needn't worry though, because you can switch things up at any time. I thought the best thing to do was just to jump in, get good at one class, and go through the leveling process, and then I can switch it up later if I like. You know, once you pick your class and get acclimatized to your starting city, you set off on the main quest, you've got side quests, and soon you're going to be battling. You know, some of the starting quests can be a little bit mundane fetch quest style, but that's all part and parcel of gathering XP and leveling up in an MMO. You know, the story in Final Fantasy XIV has got me really engaged, plus the early dungeons are good fun, and I'm having a really good time leveling up. You know, I'm only somewhere in the mid-twenties at the moment, and I've got so much more to go. Also, the community has been very welcoming in Final Fantasy XIV. You know, other players are very patient when it comes to learning new mechanics, getting involved in dungeons, and helping out with little tips in battle. So a good community surrounding a game is so important, and I really feel like I've been lucky with the Destiny community all these years, as for the most part, they're a very nice bunch of people. So from what I can gather so far with the Final Fantasy XIV community, they are a pretty awesome bunch too. So so far, I'm having a great time with Final Fantasy XIV, so I've got the whole of A Realm Reborn plus Heavensward to get through, plus I'd hope by that time the full game will go back on sale once again, as I imagine that's going to be a month or so away. Now, as soon as the game is back on sale, I'm going to sign up for the full package and get stuck into all the expansions leading to Endwalker, and I do think at this point it's highly likely I'm going to be creating content for Final Fantasy XIV, so if you're starting at a similar time to me, then get in touch on YouTube or Twitter or Patreon, I'd love to hear about your journey too. Well, that is it for now for Final Fantasy XIV, but I'm sure I'm going to be back later and talking about it more on the podcast and also on the YouTube channel too. But next up, let's have a look at the all-platform charts. Well, at 10 this week, it's Mario Party Superstars. That's up eight places from last week's number 18. At 9 this week, it's Assassin's Creed Valhalla. That's up six places from last week's number 15. And number 8 is Just Dance 2022, down 4 places from last week's number 4. Number 7 it's Minecraft, down 1 place from last week's number 6. Number 6 this week it's Pokemon Brilliant Diamond, up 6 places from last week's number 12. At 5 this week it's Call of Duty Vanguard, down 3 places from last week's number 2. And number 4 this week it's Marvel Spider-Man Mars Morales, that is up 1 place from last week's number 5. At number 3 it's Animal Crossing New Horizons, up 4 places from last week's number 7. And number two this week, it's FIFA 22, down one place from last week's number one. So back in at number one, it's Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. Well, that is it for the all-platform charts at the moment. But next up, Xbox did a drop for Xbox Game Pass this week. It's brought in some absolutely fantastic games. 
So let's have a look at Xbox kicking off the new year in style. And for this one, I'm going to pass it over to Marcus Stewart from Game Informer. And he says, Xbox Game Pass kicks off 2022 with Mass Effect Legendary Edition. So it's January and a start to the new year. So what better way to celebrate and tear through an offering of Xbox Game Pass titles? So thanks to EA Play's inclusion, the biggest game in the batch is not one but three titles in Mass Effect's Legendary Edition. So it's joined by the acclaimed Outer Wilds, a hidden gem in Oliha, and the early access debut co-op shooter, the Anacrusis, and a whole load more. So all of these games are out now. So we've got Gorgoa, we've got Aliha, The Pedestrian, Ember, the Mass Effect Legendary Edition, and The Outer Wilds. We've still got a few games coming too on January the 13th. We've got Spelunky 2 and The Anacrusis. So we've got some absolutely fantastic games there. I really can't wait to play through the hidden gem Aliha and also Spelunky 2. And also, if you haven't played The Outer Wilds, absolutely fantastic game. And what more can be said about the Mass Effect Legendary Edition? Well, that is it for a quick update from Xbox Game Pass. But next up, talking about Xbox Game Pass, let's have a look at my review of The Forgotten City. Well, The Forgotten City is a first-person adventure game. It started life as a Skyrim mod. However, it went on to be one of the best games of 2021. So it's an adventure game where you're sent to a secluded Roman-style city trying to figure out who's going to break the golden rule. Now, what is the golden rule, you may ask? Well, sin and everyone dies. And you have to figure out who is about to sin and break the cycle. Well, I arrived at the Forgotten City quite late. You know, It came out in July 2021. I've been catching up on some games I missed over the holiday break. This game is relatively short, so it's a good one if you're in between games as a nice little palate cleanser. It's also funny, sometimes sad, scary and exciting all at the same time, so there's something in there for everyone. At the start of the game, you wake up in the woods, you know, there's a woman there, she asks you to investigate a ruin nearby, as her friend Al has become lost. You know, wanting to be helpful, you agree, but then once you enter the ruin, you're sent through a portal to a secluded Roman-style city with a ragtag bunch of inhabitants. So much like the covered-in Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe, you fall into the Forgotten City, with no way to escape, and it's your job to keep moving forward and try and figure out how you get back to your time. Well, unfortunately, you're stuck in a time loop, so you have to live the same day over and over again until you break the curse. So there's plenty going on in the Forgotten City, so there's an election for a new magistrate, someone's sister has gone missing, someone's been poisoned, and there's plenty of people living in fear of the Golden Rule. So the Golden Rule is fairly simple. If someone sins in the city everyone turns to gold and they die. And the game delves into this collective punishment a fair bit, with the golden rule keeping much of the people in the city from misbehaving. And the game deals with some fairly interesting topics, so how to survive in a world like this when you're living under a hanging dagger, you know, what is regarded as a sin anyway? So the current magistrate explains that they can all agree on the basics, like no stealing or killing, but the lines in between, they're pretty grey and they're blurred, which also makes it quite dangerous for the city's inhabitants. Well, The Forgotten City is all about the conversations that you have and the people that you meet. So these are a vibrant collection of characters, whether it's the vendor trying to swindle you out of money for a life-saving medicine that you need, or the burly guard who likes to threaten you, and also everyone else at any moment. So by speaking to people, you're going to uncover mysteries and objectives, and you're always directed quite clearly to what you have to do next. So there's plenty of threads in The Forgotten City, plenty of mysteries to solve, meaning it's quite difficult to get stuck or not know what to do next, 
which can sometimes be a downfall of a game of this genre. So somewhere between 10 and 20 people in the city, and they've got questions too. For example, why is the city here? Why are they stuck there? And how do they escape? So your main goal in the game is to figure out who's going to commit the sin, and then report back to the magistrate your suspicions. However, there's loads of subplots going on all the time, which are uncovered through the conversations, and uncovering who these characters are, and their motivations is a nice gameplay loop, but there's also some exciting scenes and action thrown in there too, for good measure. So given the game, starting as a Skyrim mod, you can see some of that lingering here with the classic Skyrim jank, but for the most part the game plays really well from the first person perspective. So the time loop is another central mechanic here, which offers up some breathtaking moments which I wasn't expecting in the game when I first went in. So given you know the golden rule is there, once a sin is performed and then everyone turns to gold and then dies. However, you can trigger this mass death mechanic to your benefit. For example, someone unfortunately dies from poison, but the vendor was trying to cod money out of the doctor at an inflated price. Therefore, you can steal the antidote which kicks off the death mechanic, safely escape through the portal, and that takes you back to the start of the loop, where you still have the item in your possession, and you're free to deliver it to the doctor. So there's loads of similar puzzles like this where you have to figure out how to use the loop mechanic to your advantage, and it's a whole load of fun. In summary, The Forgotten City is a memorable gaming experience, I think it's one that you should check out. The characters are rich, the main story is entertaining, and getting to know the characters in this world is a fun time. The game doesn't outstay its welcome, plus there's some really interesting life lessons in there too regarding morality. It's also available on Xbox Game Pass, and if you've got a subscription to that service, I definitely recommend it. So the game was developed by Modern Storyteller, the publisher was Dear Villagers and Ubitus KK, and it's available for Xbox, PC, PlayStation, and Nintendo Switch, and I reviewed it on PC. It was originally released on the 28th of July, 2021. Well, that is it for my review of The Forgotten City, but next up, I'm looking ahead. This one looks really, really fun. This one is Crossfire X. Crossfire X is definitely something to keep your eye on for 2022. So Crossfire is a huge first-person shooter on PC, it's a huge smash hit, and it's coming to the West in February. So as well as the free-to-play multiplayer mode, the developers Smilegate, they've teamed up with Remedy of Alan Wake and Control fame to produce a single-player campaign for Crossfire X. Well, the original Crossfire is massive in Asian markets, with hundreds of millions of players, making it one of the most played games of all time. So the success has been driven by the free-to-play multiplayer mode, so it's going to be interesting to see what Remedy have come up with regarding the single-player campaign. I would expect a lot of high-octane action with a sprinkle of The Strange, and maybe also the Supernatural 2, which Remedy are known for. It's certainly a tantalising partnership, and if Crossfire X can have a fraction of the success here, as it does in Asia, this one is going to be hugely popular. Well, first of all, let's have a look at what is Crossfire X. So Crossfire X is the sequel to the original Crossfire, and this is a new version that's going to be bigger and better than ever. It's also going to be optimised for the Xbox Series S and X, and it's going to be taking advantage of the new hardware. Well, this one was revealed back at E3 in 2019, along with the surprising announcement that Remedy were involved. So back then, Remedy had just come off the hugely successful Control, which many touted as their game of the year for 2018. So Remedy are really well known for their single-player games, like Alan Wake and Control, Plus, they've got their upcoming Alan Wake 2, and it really looks like Remedy have been busy since the release of Control, 
and it's going to be interesting to see their imprint on Crossfire X. So Crossfire's multiplayer and single player are going to be slightly separate from each other in a similar way to Halo Infinite. So Crossfire X also has been delayed a few times, most likely due to COVID. Plus you've got the global collaboration going with Smilegate based in China, Remedy based in Finland, and Xbox publishing are mostly based in the US. It was slated as a launch title for the Xbox Series S and X, however it has been pushed back a few times, but it was confirmed at the Game Awards in 2021. The release date is scheduled for February the 10th, 2022, on the Xbox Series S and X. So it's not coming to Game Pass, given the multiplayer is free to play, and you'll most likely be able to download this through the Microsoft Store, much like other free-to-play games like Fortnite, Warzone, and also Destiny 2. Well, next up, let's have a look at the multiplayer. So players join one of two teams, either Global Risk or the Blacklist. In regards to the gameplay, Crossfire X is similar to CSGO or Valorant. So it's going to be a tactical shooter with a fast time to kill. So there's a huge selection of weapons and gear, and given it's free to play, I'd imagine there's going to be a whole host of microtransactions to go along with that. So you can also play as legendary mercenaries, and these are powerful operatives with unique abilities. And if you perform well in matches, then you get the opportunity to play as these mercs. So there's plenty of incentives to have a good game. Well, Crossfire X has a tactical growth system where you've got some in-game mechanics to allow you to evolve over the series of matches. And we don't really know a lot about the customization or monetization at the moment, we do know that you can customise the look and feel of operatives, but we don't really know much about the microtransactions yet, but I'd imagine we'll have something similar to Halo Infinite, Fortnite and Warzone when it comes to a battle pass and other progression. Well next up let's have a look at the single player campaign. So we don't really know too much about the single player campaign, other than it's going to be a look at the faction rivalry with Global Risk and also the Blacklist, the two competing factions from PvP. The campaign itself will be split into two halves, so you've got Operation Catalyst and the Operation Spectre, where we're going to have unique perspectives from each side of the war. So I've mentioned Remedy a few times, but having them as the developers of the main campaign has been really, really excited. You know, recent campaigns in the first-person shooter space have been a little bit lackluster with Call of Duty Vanguard, for example, and I've got a high hope for what Remedy can do with the Crossfire X brand. So this game isn't coming to PlayStation or PC at the moment, However, given its success in the East on PC, I would imagine it will come to PC after the exclusivity window elapses. So Crossfire X is scheduled for release on the Xbox Series S and X on February the 10th, 2022. Well, that is it for a look ahead to Crossfire X. Really, really exciting stuff. Can't wait for that one, but talking about looking ahead. But next up, let's have a look at some of my video game predictions for 2022. Well, the new year has just been rung in, so it's customary to make some predictions for the year ahead. And today I'm going to check out what I said a year ago in 2021 and see how I did. And then I'll dive into some 2022 predictions. Well, first up, let's have a look at my 2021 predictions review. And I said Nintendo announces a Switch 2. Well, the Switch Pro was rumoured and reported on before Nintendo then announced the OLED Switch. So rumours still persist that a Switch Pro does exist and Nintendo is holding back on it for some reason perhaps related to supply chain issues. But my prediction was Nintendo announced the Switch 2, and that one didn't happen, so that one is a bit of a miss. Well, next up I said Breath of the Wild 2 would come out as part of Zelda's 35th anniversary. That one unfortunately didn't happen, but I hold out hope for 2022. Well, next up I had a prediction about a social games boom. So this one is a little bit like Among Us and Fall Guys. I don't really think this one happened, not like it did in 2020, 
for some of the most popular games in 2021 based on the Steam charts. So we've got Valheim, New World, Halo Infinite, Grand Theft Auto 5, Dota 2, CSGO, and also, surprisingly, Cyberpunk 2077. I guess you could argue Valheim had its time in the sun early on in the year, but it's not really a social games boom, so again, that is a miss from me. Well, next up, I predicted Sony launches a competitor for Xbox Game Pass, so that one hasn't happened yet, although reports in December did state that something is coming in April in 2022, so the service codenamed Spartacus will allow PlayStation owners to pay a monthly fee for access to a catalogue of modern and classic games, said the people asked not to be identified because they weren't authorised to speak to the press about the plans. So the offering will likely be available on the smash hit PlayStation 4, which has sold more than 116 million units, and it's a loose successor the PlayStation 5, which launched more than a year ago, but it's still difficult to buy due to supply chain issues. Well, next up, I predicted Sony would unveil PSVR 2. So this one did happen, kind of. You know, this was announced in February the 23rd, 2021. And they said, today I'm pleased to share our next generation VR system will be coming to the PlayStation 5, enabling the ultimate entertainment experience with dramatic leaps in performance and interactivity. Players will feel an even greater sense of presence and become even more immersed in their gaming worlds once they put on the new headset. So there's still a lot of development underway for our new VR system, so it won't be launching in 2021, but we did want to provide this early update to our fans as the development community has started work on creating new worlds for you to explore in virtual reality. So PSVR 2 was unveiled, but I guess it wasn't given an official name until 2022, as we went over earlier on in the podcast. But I'm going to give myself a tick for that one, having been unveiled in 2021. Well, next up, I predicted that E3 would be online. That one did happen. You know, E3 was back. It was a little bloated last year, but it was better than 2020 when the game announcements were spread across the whole summer. So last year, in 2021, it felt much more like a traditional E3, just without the leaking of personal information. So the debate about the purpose of E3 goes on, especially with the rise of the summer of gaming and Jeff Keighley continuing to put on a great show. So as for E3 online, I'll give myself a tick for that one. And on to the next one, so this one is a really good one, Sora joined Smash Ultimate. So this happened and fans were really happy, unbelievably. So that was announced on the 5th of October 2021 and Sora was added into the game on the 19th of October. So as for Sora joining Smash, I'll give myself a tick and it's on to the next one. Next one, not so lucky, so Overwatch 2 being released, that didn't happen. And in fact, Blizzard had a terrible year in 2021, embroiled in multiple lawsuits and also the Overwatch game director, Jeff Kaplan, left. So here's what Jeff had to say before he left. So he said, I'm leaving Blizzard Entertainment after 19 amazing years. It was truly an honour of a lifetime to have the opportunity to create worlds and heroes for such a passionate audience. And I want to express my deep appreciation to everyone at Blizzard who supported our games and our game teams and our players. But I want to say a special thanks to our wonderful game developers that shared in the journey of creation with me. Never accept the world as it appears to be, Always dare to see it for what it could be, and I hope you do the same. GG, and that one's from Jeffrey Kaplan. So Kaplan joined Blizzard in 2002, where he started as a designer on the World of Warcraft, developing quests for the upcoming MMORPG. He eventually was credited as the game director on WoW, and in 2009 Kaplan spearheaded an unannounced project at Blizzard called Titan, a first-person shooter game. Well, next up I predicted a Bloodborne remaster would be announced. That one didn't happen, although Sony did acquire Bluepoint Games the masters of the remaster. And finally, I predicted that Bungie would reveal matter. So again, 
That one didn't happen. In fact, Bungie has been very tight-lipped about matter all year, although they have been hiring and expanding in 2021. So overall, not too bad. Definitely room for improvement, though. And hopefully some improvement in my 2022 gaming prediction. And talking about those, let's jump into them right now. Well, number one, a big publisher will bring out something to do with NFTs that is widely accepted. I'm thinking Nintendo. But can you imagine the backlash when Nintendo announces the NFT project? However, I really think that a big publisher is going to come out with something and they're going to make NFTs work. Well, number two, we've got consoles and chip shortages. Well, they're going to continue into 2023. Not a good prediction, I'm afraid. But I really think the supply chain issues are just going to hound us into 2023. So prediction number three, I think Xbox are going to announce a new Xbox dongle for TVs. So rather than a console, I reckon you're going to be able to play Xbox through a dongle. And that's going to open up Xbox gaming to many, many more people. So prediction number four, this is a wild one. So Microsoft is going to continue with it acquiring companies. And I reckon it could acquire Activision. So prediction number five, more successful video game TV shows following in the footsteps of Arcane, The Witcher and also Castlevania. So number six, gaming is going to dabble in the metaverse, laying the foundations for the future. And then number seven, Hollow Knight is going to be shown at an indie direct and then released on the same day. Prediction number eight, the battle of the subscription services heats up with Sony launching their Game Pass competitor. And hopefully that's going to be coming in April. But my prediction is it's going to include the PSVR library too. So prediction number nine, Bobby Kotick stays in charge at Activision Blizzard and gets even more powerful. Look, I know these predictions aren't all happy. Sorry about the console and chip shortages into 2023 and Bobby Kotick, but I just think that's what's going to happen. And finally, I'm going to roll out the Bloodborne remaster again. So this year is definitely the year that Bloodborne remaster is going to be announced by Bluepoint and Sony for the PS5 and also the PC. Well, that is it for this week's episode. And if you want to get involved in the show, get in contact through Patreon at patreon.com forward slash thisweekinvideogames or check out the latest on the website. Send in your questions, your comments, and your video game stories, and I'm always interested in hearing from you. Well, thank you so much for watching or for listening, and for more This Week in Video Games content like this, like, subscribe, and share with a friend. To join our community, check out the Discord link in the description, and you can follow me on Twitter at TWIVG Podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast or found it useful, liking and sharing it would really help me out. Otherwise, check out the other podcasts in the feed. Well, thanks again. I'll see you soon.